What did we think? Did anyone think that an atmosphere of intolerance would not eventually affect the Jews? Did anyone think that attacks against mosques would not eventually lead to attacks against synagogues? There have been over a thousand hate crimes against African American, Muslim Americans, Hispanic Americans, minorities, and immigrants since January. Did anyone think that intolerance against them would not eventually lead to intolerance against us? Have you studied history? Have you read the story of our people? Have you reflected on human nature? What have you learned? That the creeping shadows of intolerance can bypass the Jews and leave only us basking in the sunlight? It's the opposite. We are usually the first affected, not the last. It's not a question of wh whether any one particular leader is anti-Semitic. For the record, I find the accusation that President Trump is an anti-Semite to be misguided and mistaken. It's not true. But this is not the key question. Rather, the question is, are we, wittingly or not, creating, permitting, or encouraging an atmosphere of intolerance in this country? There has always been anti-Semitism, even in the United States. But why are we seeing such an eruption now? Over 100 JCCs and other Jewish institutions have been threatened in the past few weeks. Swastikas and anti-Semitic graffiti have popped up all over the country. Yesterday, another Jewish cemetery was desecrated in Rochester. Is it mere coincidence? Connected to nothing and nobody? Or is there something going on in America that has released these vile, pent-up energies that has hate, made hatred more acceptable? Either way, and for whatever reason, there is a moral and political obligation to speak out against all hateful words and deeds. And either way, and for whatever reason, there is a moral and political imperative to speak out against anti-Semitism, and then to speak out again, and then to speak out again, and then to act in a definitive, an effective way to stamp out these, this phenomenon, to catch these hate mongers. Anti-Semitism is the most dangerous virus in the history of civilization. It spreads like a plague. It is highly contagious. It will infect every healthy social organism within the contagion zone. Hatred against Jews never stops with Jews. Bomb threats against Jews 
hate speech against Jews, desecration of Jewish cemeteries, internet and social media trolling against Jews, these are precursors, warnings, that there is something rotten in the kingdom. No, it is not a plot to make others look bad. It is a plot against humanity. It is a plot against America to take us back to darker times. It makes others look bad only if they do not respond. Anti-Semites are antagonized by Jewish particularism. Our fierce desire to be different while still remaining part of the broad social fabric. The invaluable contribution of the Jews is that we represent and symbolize the best impulses of free society. The right to be different. There is no freedom without diversity. The common denominator of human beings is that there is no common denominator. We are all different. The uniform principle of humanity is that there is no uniformity. There is no unifying principle. There is no final solution. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. Jewish thought vests the individual with even more than unalienable rights. Because every single person has God in them who breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. Human life is sacred, endowed with special dignity. Jewish values drove German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche to intellectual distraction. He complained bitterly that it was the Jews who gave the world what he called slave morality, the morality of the weak. The slave promotes values of conscience, pity, mercy, compassion, collective reliance, and service to a higher cause. For Nietzsche, slave morality was designed by the weak to keep the strong at bay. He termed the strong ubermensch, overmen, or supermen. Slave morality suppressed what he called master morality, the morality of the overmen. For these strong-willed people, good is defined as power. To be good is to be powerful. Nietzsche wrote in evident frustration, it is the Jews who started the slave revolt against morals, a revolt with two millennia of history behind it, which we have lost sight of 
today simply because it has triumphed so completely. Anti-Semitism is the oldest form of Superman philosophy, the philosophy of the master over the slave. The Jews are the West. Judaism established freedom's central narrative of individual liberty. It came from the Jews. It's why Martin Luther King looked to the Jewish narrative of the exodus from Egypt on which he based the entire civil rights movement. Anti-Semitism is a dagger in the heart of liberty. Why Jewish community centers where children and adults of all ages come to learn, to swim, to exercise, and engage in cultural activities? What is threatening about that? Why synagogues where people come to worship God, the God of all? Why cemeteries? What is threatening about gravestones? You feel threatened even by dead Jews? I think it's because a gravestone is our way of trying to make sense of life and to vest our lives with meaning. Human mortality creates such existential angst and despair. If it all ends in the blink of a cosmic eye, what is the significance of our measly, meager lives? We struggle, we fight, we accomplish, we live. And then we die, even the best of us, the strongest of us, the most intelligent of us, the healthiest of us, we die. So what then is the meaning of life? A gravestone imparts meaning through memory. The lives of those who sleep in the dust have relevance today. They are a continuum that leads to me. And I am a bridge. When I stand atop that gravestone of a relative, I am a bridge to those Jews who will follow me. A Jewish cemetery is our people's collective effort to try to extract meaning from millennia of struggle, striving, sacrifice, suffering, and sanctity. When we stand there at a cemetery, atop the gravestone of the one whom we loved, we proclaim there is something important about being a Jew. 
There is a Jewish star on that tombstone. There are Hebrew letters and Hebrew names. People cherish Judaism. They fought for Judaism. They died for Judaism. I am part of this story. I want to carry on. That is what bothers anti-Semites about a Jewish cemetery. To desecrate a cemetery is to express disdain for everything Jewish. It desecrates the memory of our individual beloved. Life above all else in Judaism. Choose life so that you and your offspring may live. Even your dead will not sleep peacefully. But not only that, by toppling Jewish monuments to the past, they seek to topple the Jewish future. In its essence, a cemetery symbolizes our commitment to the future. Like other institutions, a Jewish community center or a synagogue, they all represent Jewish life, Jewish vibrancy, Jewish vitality, Jewish continuity, the very thing so despised by Jew haters. It's important to remember that anti-Semitism is not the sole preserve of one political philosophy. It emerges from both the right and the left. Attacks on Jewish individuals and institutions, neo-Nazi threats, hate speech, they tend to come from the extreme right. But a no less insidious form of anti-Semitism is commonly associated with the left. Virulent anti-Zionism that makes the Jewish state the Jew of the world and places upon it all the moral ills of humanity holding Israel to standards expected of no one else. As if there would be no Islamic terrorism, no ISIS, no Iran, no Syria, no North Korea, no dissension in Europe, no refugee problem, no economic hardship, no problems at all were it not for the Jewish state, the very source of all the world's ills. If anything, the anti-Semitism of the extreme left is more insidious. It has more appeal. It's better hidden. It seems to me that it is encroaching on the moderate left and is therefore more dangerous than a bomb threat called into a Jewish institution. The anti-Semitism of the extreme left has made that age-old Jew hatred more palatable, more tolerated, more polite, and more respectable. But it is the same virus, mutated into a different form. The BDS movement is the latest mutation. On many university campuses, an improper company 
in the intellectual left. Hating Israel is the entrance ticket. It is proof of properly vetted liberal bona fides. The extreme left's equivalent of extreme vetting. Even Holocaust Education Week is verboten because it violates some Orwellian concept of social justice. In the name of some perverted theory of human rights, Israel and even American Jews on campus are harassed and threatened. The idea that Jews anywhere, let alone in the United States in the 21st century, cower in fear, their lives and livelihoods threatened by hate mongers is deeply unsettling and unnerving. We vowed never again. It was a solemn oath. Never again would Jews hide fretful and anxious, isolated and exposed to the mad passions of the mob. All Jews are responsible one for another, teach our sages. When one Jew feels pain, all feel pain. When one Jew suffers, all suffer. Stand up and be counted. Do something. Take the threat seriously. We must be vigilant and we must be proactive. The only way to defeat hate is to confront it. This is one of the key lessons of Jewish history. Powerlessness encourages attack. Fear and courage encourages terrorists. Bullies must be confronted by good people wherever they may be. More than 80 congregants have now joined the anti-Semitism task force that we established. Our president has appointed co-chairs. All of you who volunteered for this task force and the 300 additional congregants who volunteered for one of the additional two other task forces should have received a letter this week announcing the formal launch of our synagogue-wide efforts. You'll soon receive notification of the founding meeting of your specific task force. If you have not yet volunteered, it is of course not too late. Stand up and be counted. Do something good for our people and for all people. This week's Parsha Truma describes the menorah in the Mishkan. Initially, the main function of the menorah was utilitarian, to provide light. It stood by the holy area before the curtain of the inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, where the tablets of the law were stored. The light allowed the priests to see what they were doing. Ultimately, the menorah became the very symbol of Jewish sovereignty. It stood in the Jerusalem temple for a thousand years. The symbol of the modern state of Israel is the Temple Menorah.
The light that burned continuously ultimately became the eternal flame. The light that never went out. When the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 CE, they carried the menorah back to Rome. It was their way of pronouncing the end of Jewish life. The Jews would soon disappear from the pages of history like all the other nations that the Romans subjugated and defeated. The Romans were convinced of that. Titus was the Roman general who finally conquered Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. To honor Titus, a special arch was built in his honor. It was called the Arch of Titus. You can still walk through it. If you cross the street from the Colosseum and proceed for several hundred meters through the Forum, you'll cross right through the Arch of Titus. On the bottom corner of the Arch of Titus is a frieze depicting Roman soldiers carrying the menorah from the temple. If you want to see it, just Google it. The next time you're in Rome, bear in mind that the history of our people figures prominently in Roman lore, the last known resting place of the temple menorah was in Rome. In the year 71, the Emperor Vespasian arranged a victory march in Rome to honor his son, Titus, and to parade in front of the Roman people the spoils of war. There is a surviving eyewitness account to this parade. Josephus, the former Jewish commander who became the chronicler of the Jewish war, witnessed the parade firsthand and described its grandeur in great detail. Towards the end of his account, Josephus writes, most of the spoils were carried and heaped upon a mound indiscriminately, but more prominent than all the rest were those captured in the temple in Jerusalem. A golden table weighing several hundred weight and a lampstand similarly made of gold. That was it. The end of the line for our people. It was good while it lasted, but nothing lasts forever. The kingdom survived for a thousand years, from King Saul to Shimon bar Giora, one of the three main commanders of Jerusalem, who, according to Josephus, was shackled and dragged in front of the Roman crowds and executed to the delirious delight of the masses. The menorah, the very symbol of Jewish independence and Jewish self-determination, was in bondage at its holding site, what the Romans perversely called the Temple of Peace. The Temple of Peace was funded through the plunder brought back from the war on the Jews. One wall of that Temple of Peace still stands in the Roman Forum. But the temple, along with ancient Rome itself, is dust and rubble. The Jewish people lives on. 
The menorah has been rekindled. It burns eternally. It is the Romans who are no more. Our light has never gone out. It can never be extinguished. It burns bright today. Brighter than ever. A word to all of those who dream of a world without Jews. It will never happen. You will never succeed. We will never give up. We have seen it all. We have survived it all. We are still here. And we will remain here for eternity.